Hello and welcome to the Latecomers. I'm Amity. I'm Lemuel. And we are in the thick. In the well, thick. in the thin of Battlestar Galactica. We're getting into it this week. Before we start, do you have any news or exciting things to share with our listeners? Yes, I just went to a concert. And how was it? I it was really enjoyable. I got to see the Spectre. The Spectre's Bride. Spectre's Bride, which was a, uh, it was, I can't pronounce his name properly. Dvorak. Dvorak. Um, uh, and it was fun. It was uh, a, a ghost who shows up to, to, uh, Steal a night. pious young lady. Right, pious young lady. And, and it's, it's, uh, it's developed. She, he makes her run 60 miles through a, through a wood in the night. Into a graveyard and, and, um. And she runs to hide from him, and she hides in the mausoleum where there's a newly laid body. Yep. Um, and then he resurrects that body, but she pleads with the Virgin Mary to for the body to, you know, stay dead. <laughs> it was a lot of fun, though. It was sort of like, um, I think I mentioned to you, it's like the George Romero version of uh, opera. I mean, it was, it, yes. It was very strange and creepy and... And, and it was uh, put on by the Berkeley Community Chorus and right. Orchestra. Yes, and it was really lovely. It was a really lovely presentation. And so we went to go see that. We have a friend who was singing. And uh, and she invited us, and I enjoyed that even more than I thought I would. I had didn't, When we lived in Berkeley, um, we were roommates in Berkeley, we got to a lot of sort of strange events and shows. Yeah, and now Berkeley is like so far away. Yeah, and also in weather like raining, this. So who wants to do anything outside? Right, so I kind of missed the idea that we would go out and sort of have these sort of weird rambles and, you know, we could walk a couple of blocks from our house and see a David Mamet play at the Shotgun Players Playhouse. It was Playhouse. so bad. It was, it was. I hated it. But <laughs> we will agree to disagree. No. But um, you can agree with me that I hated it. Oh, I can agree with you that you hated it. I don't think the play was bad. Um, but uh, but yeah, so it was fun. It was like going. Play back didn't to have that. an ending, therefore bad. <laughs> Remind me um, never to show you a Brian De Palma movie because they don't end; they just sort of stop. Carrie ends. I've seen a Brian De Palma movie. Ends. Well, he wanted to keep it going, didn't he? It's, yes. Well, The Untouchables also is another one that that was sort so, of atypical. There you go. You're a liar. Anyway, we're gonna get so, into it. So, did you do anything? No. No. I've just been cold. No, no. I've been cold forever. You didn't see any good movies. You didn't see nope. anything that you liked. Okay. Um, I might have seen a movie or something that I might want to recommend later. Okay. All right. But no, my week has mostly been working, catching up. Short weeks don't mean less work. Mm-mm. They just mean less time to do the work. work. And so, yeah, busy week. This week will be busy. Next mm-hmm. week is a short week for us because we're going to go to PodCon. PodCon. So it'll also be busy. It's busy. It's next week or the week after? No, it's next week. Next week. Oh. Yeah. We have a full week, uh-huh. and then we have a three-day week, and then we get on a plane at an ungodly hour. Okay. On the 17th. On the 17th. I'll remember that. Today is the 6th. It's the epiphany. Happy epiphany. I don't know what the proper greeting is. Today we have a fire going. We have tea in front of us. It's the Trader Joe's Harvest Blend, which has cinnamon in it. That means that a virgin was sacrificed for tea. But beyond that, it literally says nothing except zero, or like no caffeine, 
Harvest Blend, our favorite. It doesn't seeing. say anything else. It smells like apple cider. So it smells like a burning wicker man. But what I needed Harvest. was a warm thing to put my hands on. Right. So there we tea. are. It succeeds at that level. There's a. Have yet to drink it. A fire burning in the hearth. We made dragon noodles for dinner. We're ready to do this. We, you made dragon noodles. I, I eat did. them. Yep, it's true. My nose is still running from them. So. Are we going to get into Battlestar? Sure, absolutely. Are we ready? Okay. I'm ready. I am going to read the opening runner. Mm-hmm. Okay. The Cylons were created by man. They were created to make life easier on the 12 colonies. And then the day came when the Cylons decided to kill their masters. After a long, bloody battle, an armistice was declared. A remote space station was built, where Cylon and human could meet and maintain diplomatic relations. Every year, the colonials send an officer. The Cylons send no one. No one has seen or heard from the Cylons in over 40 years. So... We're in the Matrix or the Terminator times where we made robots that were too smart and then they decided that we were too dumb. Also Ultron. It's a recurring theme in (laughs) sci-fi. So it's never a good sign when you don't know what your enemy's up to for 40 years. And spoiler alert, they've been up to a lot and they're definitely going to kick our asses. Well, they 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 um, have the virtue of not sleeping, so they're constantly planning things. Yes. They're strange little minds. Well, and now they have the virtue of looking like us and not like Cybermen. <laughs> so you didn't like the original Cylon costume? But... I didn't dislike it. Mm-hmm. I don't dislike it. I think it's a realistic type robot situation. Uh-huh. But also, it looks like the Cybermen I... from. Doctor Who. I felt that that's the not a dig. Original Battlestar Galactica Cylons, the actual Cylons, not the humanoid impersonators that they create that we see in this program. But when you see the the CGI Cylons, I wasn't impressed by them. They look like CGI Cylons, and they very wisely kept them to a minimum. Yeah, no, you scene. don't see a lot of them in here. Usually, right. you see them just standing. Yeah, like which they is don't good. have to move. <laughs> Because the opening scene features two of them walking into a room accompanied by um, a humanoid, yeah. or what you would take to be a human being. Yeah, well, we haven't gotten there yet. Well, that's the opening scene. Okay, yes. So the opening scene where, the I guess, the 40th year, right? where the colonial, and I'm going to mess up and say colonel, because the word colonel and the word colonial get mixed up in my head. Okay. So I'm going to do my best. I'm just telling everybody now, that's a thing that's going to happen. Um, thirty or for forty years, he just comes and I don't know. Well, different. Well, people in his people rank. People come, right, right? But I'm sure this isn't his first time. They just go. Mm-hmm. They sit there. They wait. Nothing happens, and then they leave. So he's like pulling out his paperwork or his game of hangman or his Sudoku or whatever it is <laughs> that he has brought with him to kill the time, and then uh, Tusha Halfer. Halfer, I think it's her name. Comes in. She's a very beautiful woman who looks... Not like a robot at all. Like a, like a blonde Jessica Rabbit. She's not as voluptuous. She's not wearing a whole lot of clothes. She's a very beautiful person-looking thing. 
but important to have a person looking. Out, she's not a person. Now, I want to uh, explain or complain about one particular thing. Well, she's not a scene, human. Um, is that her first move is to sit on the table and make out with the guy. Yeah, it's weird. As if, now, from what we see later in the film, it seems like this particular model of humanoid... She's the um, sixth one. There are 12. <laughs> prone to, what's the technical term? Horniness. Because it seems like they're very sexual. Horniness or horniness? Horniness. Oh, yes. Yes, because it seems to be very curious about this sex all the time. This one seems to be intrigued by the sexual reproduction of right. humans and wants to take part. Not just the sex part, that's true. The end result, too, is just very curious about it. So yeah. the first thing it does to throw this man off of his game is to make out with him. There's <laughs> kissing in this show. Um, and you think that you go, oh, this woman just stepped out of nowhere and now wants to make out. I, I, I don't think that makes sense, but no, it doesn't because, like all men, he believes that if a woman wants to make out with him, it must be his irresistible and it's, musk. It's her, and then two—is it two of the robotic ones? Yeah, the robotic ones are watching the door while she goes on and and sort of is kisses him, and then does she kill him or do we just leave it? We, we leave it leave. because they are blowing up the station. As it's the right, right. It, that's there's a little bit of a jog in time, so that is happening sort of concurrently with something that happens slightly later in the mm-hmm. episode, right? right? Because the attacks are coordinated and pretty much all happen at the same time. So we go back a little bit in time, not like not like six months earlier or anything mm-hmm. like that, but just a little bit in time to get us, uh onto a place where we're going to learn about who these characters are and start to care about some of them so that when they start dying, we're sad about it. So we're going to go to the Battlestar Galactica. Hey, who could have seen that coming from the name of the show? So weird. Um, So a Battlestar is a battleship and a battle carrier type uh, starship. It has smaller fighter planes aboard it including some old antique ones because they're turning this one into a museum. They're decommissioning it, and its captain, or its commander, Adama, Mm -hmm. is going to be retiring. So we have a lot of people going, it's been an honor to serve under you, and a lot of people going, or and him saying, you know, good luck with your next post. Uh, There's a television crew. Or or the equivalent of a television show. Sort career. of, yeah, right. Sort of doing interviews and going around. Uh, they're trans, like, whole sections of it are being uh, switched from sort of quote unquote useful to mm-hmm. museum. Well, what we've learned is that the Cylons, being mechanical beings or a cybernetic race, they uh, had, they could at remote distances assume control of machinery. Right. So everything on this ship is not... It's all it's analog. Analog and is kind of... not pl- not hooked up to the net, right. as we would think. Or their version of it. Yeah. So the thing is, it's actually a clever move to keep the ship so it can never fall into enemy hands. But on the other hand, it is... You know, even in this kind of future, it's a clunky old it's a, spaceship. It's an old, yes, it's right. an old-timey... It's almost like a relic into itself. Mm-hmm. And we have... Uh, that's where we're introduced to uh, Laura Roslin, who's played by Mary McDonnell, who is spoiled in the IMDb as President mm-hmm. President Roslin, but she is not President. She is 
the uh, Secretary of Education right. for the 12 colonies. Now, there are 12 human colonies. These are, uh, f- I guess, full planets that have been con- colonized by That's the humans. impression I got. None of them are Earth. Right. So we're talking about... Oh, and I don't... When, what year is it? Well, it's a year for them. I don't think that we're given a uh, comparative year for the human race. Yeah, I'm just seeing, because it's like, yeah, I don't know. Uh, there was a, the war was 40 years before. The original war with the, the Cylons. The original war with the Cylons. Mm-hmm. And then we've lived in, you know, relative peace since then. Um, yeah, no, I guess there isn't a year sort of given to the time. Um so the Secretary of Education is there trying to get him to upgrade at least a little. Adama, you're saying. Ad- yeah, yeah, he's trying to get Adama to upgrade the, the system just a little so that they can transmit uh, information to teachers so mm-hmm. that it makes the teachers' jobs easier on this new museum, which is apparently going to have classrooms and things in it. And he's like, that's well and good. We're not doing it. It We're would be the it. equivalent. We, uh, we live across the, well, close to Alameda. Um, and there's a the USS Hornet is yes. parked there. It would sort of be the equivalent of that. There's a decommissioned ship that's just sort of sitting there that people can visit and like a museum. And that's kind of what they're turning the Galactica into, this sort yes. of floating museum. Um, but we're introduced to a lot of characters because we're introduced to Obama's son. Yes, at the same time. Uh-huh. So so we should say the, the Secretary of Education is there, mm-hmm. and she's on a transport, uh, passenger transport called the Colonial Heavy 798. Uh, and they're going to be at the decommissioning ceremony, but also she's trying to upgrade this right. post-commissioned ship and is getting shut down. And then, yes, Lee Adama shows up, mm-hmm. uh, who at first glance I thought was a bad pilot right mm-hmm. away because he is complaining because there's no auto-landing. Uh, on the ship, which right. apparently is the standard, but what is that? That's Wi-Fi, right. and we don't do that here. So there is no auto anything right. on the ship, uh, which means you have to be a better pilot. So I was like, is he bad at this? But then it turns out, no, he's good at it, but his brother wasn't. Uh, spoiler for later. <laughs> and uh, Lee doesn't get along good with his dad. Yes, because his dad, and this is something that we should, that's not a spoiler to tell up front, mm. is that uh, there was a brother, mm-hmm. and the brother was passed into a mili- through a military academy on the strength of his father's reputation. And uh-huh. Starbucks' love for him. Right. Aww. Now, Starbucks in this one is not Dirk Benedict, but nope. a very... But does chomp on a it, cigar actually, like a champ. Okay, how can I put it? It <laughs> seems very much like she is playing Dirk Benedict. She is. She's really channeling face. <laughs> Right. I don't know if she's channeling Starbucks. She is, pretty much. But she's channeling face. It was one of those cases where an actor got really popular in a part, and that's just it. No matter where he's going, we're going to cast him to play the same guy. Yeah. And Dirk Benedict was just playing Dirk Benedict through every show that he went in afterwards. So Lee Adama doesn't get along with his dad, Mm -hmm. uh, whose name is what Adama? What's William. Mm -hmm. William Adama. Uh, And... 
so they're grudgingly sort of going along to get along. His code name is Apollo, uh-huh. um, so he's referred to Apollo a lot. Right. His that's his call sign rather, like um, like in Top Gun. Yeah. Starbuck is not Starbuck's name. Her name is Kara, <laughs> but she goes by Starbuck. Also, call sign. Uh, so then. This all of this is happening. We're starting to meet people. We've got a flight deck crew mm-hmm. um, with like a tough captain chief, and um, we we see Boomer here briefly. That's Grace Park's character, um, who is in a relationship with said chief, but they nobody knows it. Like there they have a the contentious same. outward experience, right. and then. As soon as they're behind closed doors, they're taking each other's clothes off. Well, I didn't know if the idea was that it was as inappropriate as it would be here, depending on the rank of the That's officers. my sense. Either it's frowned upon, mm-hmm. or, and this makes sense to me, as a pilot woman, mm-hmm. she doesn't want to That's be true seen... Too. As although it seems to be favor, although they they were much in more integrated spaces. here, it's it not does. like it is on Earth where there's it a does. serious question of that. No, it seems like no people are generally um, treated as equals. Yeah, and regardless. Adama says in no uncertain ter- circumstances mm. that Starbucks the best pilot he's ever seen, right. including himself, including his kids. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter. Starbucks the best f- right. flyer. He's ever seen. The Starbucks is also very undisciplined. Is yes, the because problem because she's the best and. Typically, um, the best breeds arrogance. That, yeah, that and happens. it seems like she, he looks at her like a daughter mm-hmm. and gives her a little bit more leeway than he does his sons. Right. Which is the opposite of what a lot of dads do, but I guess when it's not really your daughter, mm-hmm. you can do that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, at this point, we're, we've sort of been introduced to a bunch of the characters, and we're on the Galactica, and we're like, well, what happened? Like, what's going on with that weird opening scene with mm-hmm. the kissing. Uh and and then there's an attack. Right. And there is an attack. There are nuclear weapons detonated on every colony that the humans have. No, like, we were introduced to another time. character before this. Yeah, um, but I didn't see that. Uh, so. Baltar? Bal- I can't remember his name. Uh, Gaius Baltar. Baltar. Okay. Yes. So, oh yeah, and I don't know that we see this before the... F- yes, because he, she's uh, present in his home during yes. the explosion. So we see the number six, the the mm-hmm. blonde Cylon, uh, in a relationship with right. this d- this dude whose intro oh, keep is... Keep like, do... Yes. Uh, so his intro is so good. Mm-hmm. So we see him first being interviewed on like a morning show. And he's doing his own sort of blocking, and it's ridiculous. The way that he, like, turns to the side and then turns towards the camera, like, it's... it's. Now, who would you say would be the, the, the corollary character in the real world? Because I really feel that they were reaching for a kind of a technological genius that uh, is making the world better through... At this time? Yeah. Well, maybe not even this time. Um... Pre-weed Elon Musk, mm-hmm. maybe a maybe a Neil deGrasse Tyson. 
I'm wondering at the time, though, what they were aiming for. I don't know. Yeah. Science is maybe like a Steve Jobs, but That's he's what too I was, young. I was thinking maybe that was the kind of thing they were reaching for, but the what we're led to believe, what we understand later when he meets up with the Cylon, who, again, is just really fascinated about the idea of having sex, um, it seems to be that... I don't think she's really fascinated about the... They've been having sex for two years. No, I understand it's that. But for one thing, it seems like she's implanted with a genuine need for it because her body actually has some sort of bioluminescence in the middle of sex, if you remember, somewhere along her spine. Oh, yeah, I don't remember And that then later on really. in a crowd, we see her pick up a baby and just be hypnotized I think she's by a baby like, in her actions. Well, and then she kills it. And then she kills the baby because she makes a comment to herself... Uh, the neck seems too weak to hold up the head. Yes. Like, He's like, I can't believe that it can hold up the head. Because they can't, of course, reproduce that way. They have right. to make the other ones. But yeah, it, it does seem like it's almost implanted inside of its consciousness that it has to reproduce or well, has the urge to. this is AI expanding, right? This right. is AI wanting to become just I. Mm-hmm. So um, they, she has been working... With Gaius Baltar, who is played by James Callis, and is clearly a bad guy. So this dude is a narcissist. Extreme narcissist, yes. Um, and is una- he's unaware that he's sleeping with a Cylon to begin with. So he he's not an outright traitor no. at the outset. He's not aware of it. And the, the thing is that he sleeps with women so indiscriminately that he probably... Yeah, he ends up cheating on her and she, she catches him. So he, he probably believes that it's his own magnetism <laughs> rather than his popularity that's drawing all these women to him. Right. So, Gaius Paltor designed a new command navigation program that all of the ships mm-hmm. in the fleet use and all of the... It's like, you know, Windows or whatever. Mm-hmm. It, every every right. program everywhere uses this. That's why I asked if you thought there was a corollary because it did seem like they were yeah, reaching Yeah, no, that's true. And then she, in their two-year relationship, has built in a back door. Now, he... Let her do this, thinking mm-hmm. that she was using it for something for her company later. Now, her company is never, uh, he, he never says, I know what your company is or anything right. like that. And it, and then she's like, yeah, that's basically what I did. I just didn't tell you that my company or my, you know, uh, I'm being sponsored the by the I'm silence. not doing this for the So silence. I got the impression very much it's like he was sleeping with her with the notion that he was getting sex in relation or in exchange for secrets or access, sort of like you do with an industrial spy. I don't, I don't think that he was aware until she tells him right. that, by the way, the you're way working for the enemy. The way that she was sleeping with him, not the right. other way around. I yeah. think he was sleeping with her because she was gorgeous. <laughs> and little so you don't think he was aware that there was some sort of industrial I think he, shenanigans? He That's what I'm saying. I thought that he was under the impression there was a exchange was, going on. But, well, I don't know. I don't think that he thinks that the only reason she was sleeping with him no, was again, to get that black back door in. Mm-hmm. But he knew that that was happening. Yeah. And I think he thought it was going to be like a data mining thing or something right. like that. Uh, it turns out, nah. <laughs> a little more than so, that. So, um, the Cylons infiltrate everything and just 
all of the battleships just stop. Mm-hmm. They just stop. Or well, sitting ducks. And all of the little planes, except the very old ones, which mm-hmm. we have several on the Battlestar Galactica, because there it's going to be a museum. Right. Just stop. So they go. They're just sitting in space. They can't. They're the equivalent not going. would be uh, the Battlestar Galactica would be like an aircraft carrier. Yes. Uh, covered with fighter pilot uh, fighter planes. Mm-hmm. And so one of the neat things for people who are old enough to remember the original Battlestar Galactica, who've ever seen it, is that there's. Uh, at one point, someone's reviewing documents and finds the original design for the Cylons, and it's supposedly designed from 40 years ago. And another neat bit is that the Viper, I think it's what it was called when yeah. I was a kid, which was the coolest spaceship mm-hmm. on TV when I was a kid. It's the same. Um, it's the same. They They're using the it. same Vipers because yeah. supposedly it can get past the... Uh, it doesn't have silence. this operating system. Right. So, so they can't get to it. There's just a kind of a neat moment. Because as, even as a kid, I thought that was an amazing design. Whoever, and I don't know if it was John Dykstra or the people who worked with him who came up with it. But I always, that was like, it's great that they just carried that over. Like, no, we can't improve on this in any way. This right. one's just really neat. Right. It looks like it should do what it does. Yeah. So um, he she exploits the relationship mm-hmm. to add the secret back door as well as com- uh get complete access to all of the colonial fleet systems mm-hmm. and their information under the cover of a basically an insider contract right. bid like yeah well you're going to get somebody to do this why do you get it for me since we know each other so well wink mm-hmm. wink kissy kissy and then but during her decades of service the galactica's computer systems never been upgraded right. they've never installed any of this stuff so it's unaffected by the silent sabotage. So it survives while the entire rest of the fleet decimated. And uh, Galactica also has the new fancy Viper squadron fighters, but they all just shit yeah. crap out. Like they 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 won't go. So only the Raptor. Um, Planes, which are the ones that you talked about, Mm -hmm. uh, are the ones that work. And Boomer, Grace Park, and her partner, Hilo, who's a dude that's very familiar, um, get take fire. Mm -hmm. They're damaged, but they're not out of it. And they have to land on Caprica. Now, I guess Caprica was the... Like the capital. Like the capital Mm -hmm. planet, the, the, the main... Location and while they're there, you're just seeing mushroom clouds. Mushroom clouds just everywhere. Tons of mushroom yeah. clouds, and survivors are running at them. And just out of curiosity, this isn't necessarily related to what we're talking about, but how does that feel? Hmm. Because when I was a kid, we were growing up under MAD, right? And and we were aware of that all the time. So those images carry kind of a wallop. They for don't a carry generation. a wallop for me. Uh-huh. It's we never had any kind of um, mm-hmm. drills right. with regard to uh, nuclear or anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, we were basically out of the Cold War by the time I was in school. And the so all of my nuclear mushroom cloud experience is filmic. Yeah. It's all... Because yeah. I know that people like my son, for instance, who's 18, mm-hmm. he still thinks right. of it as uh, in relation to Godzilla or something. You know, it's right. like the mushroom clouds and the giant bugs. If and I saw one in right. real life, I would be affected by it. Yeah. It's not that effective to me 
in in media yeah. because that's the place I've seen them. Well, they were still showing us films in school about you know how to defend yourself or right. how to t- duck under a table. Yeah, and under a table. Oh, go ahead, that's gonna work. So there's a bunch of survivors that want to be taken off the planet because the planet is gonna die. That many mm-hmm. mushroom clouds. Yeah, there's not gonna be survivors, right? Uh, but the ship, the the it it can only take like seven people or something like that. It's not, it's a fighter pl- plane. It's not intended to be, uh, it's not intended to carry a, a ton of passengers. So they grab a book and draw lots. Now, who's there? Gaius Baltar. Who is actually physically, was physically sheltered during the atomic explosion by his... Oh, by... Yes, Android by number six. Now, something that we should bring out at this point is that he keeps seeing her in the crowd, even though we're aware that she's not there. And that's explained later on. Yes, although it's explained, and I don't know if... Because she explains it in a hypothetical, and I don't know if it's so real. It seems, well, do you want to explain it now? Well, let's get to it okay, before we right. get to it. So, he... Uh, Hilo sees him in the crowd and calls his name, and he... His first response is, I didn't do anything. Right, exactly. Which, which is twofold. One, the woman next to him has just come up to see. They've called the last number. Mm-hmm. The last number is 47. She's got her glasses on the top of her head and is asking for his help to see. She thinks she's misplaced her glasses and she wants to know if her number is the number they've called. Right. And it is. So he is sitting here contemplating taking her, taking just taking this woman's number. He also has guilt because... Whoops, he just caused the end of the human race. Yeah, and he just became aware of it right the instant before just it happened. Before this, so he's yeah. not processed any of this at all. And then, so, yes, yeah, so he, Hilo calls him and he's like, I didn't do anything. But look, this lady has the number 47. Like, he just doesn't want anybody looking mm-hmm. at him. At which point, Hilo just says, You're going to take my place. Now, he's been wounded. He's got an injury to his leg. Mm-hmm. And he's like, Look, there are not going to be that many survivors. And whether or not we survive kind of comes down to the brains. Right. This dude is like the smartest person on the planet. Why should he not have my spot? Right. Like, you don't need me to fly this thing. You've proven that. So you should take this smart dude up to the ship with you. Well, well I find it interesting that he really sees this as a sacrifice that he's making. Mm-hmm. Um, for everyone else, for the welfare of the many, so mm-hmm. to speak. Yes. And in truth, he's just sort of letting this... Right. Person under, I mean, it's it's kind of like... A, but he doesn't know. No, he doesn't, but it's like, <laughs> I'm going to do this noble thing. I'm going to leave myself behind and on this planet that's dying with these other people, and I'm going to let you, because you're the future, and you're going to save us all if yeah. there's a way to be saved. Yeah. You're so smart, you'll figure it out. Yeah. Instead, all that he did was let, you know, this imposter and uh, foreign agent, so to speak, <laughs> into... But it also is uh, good that he survivors. stays behind because yeah. he does have to fire his weapon into the crowd because they want they try and climb up on the mm-hmm. raptor while it's trying right. to take off, which then everybody dies, y'all. That's yeah. how that's that's what happens now. And you can't survive on the outside of a ship. So what no. are you doing? It's not like it's a helicopter it's, or something. No, it's you going can hold into the skids no. now. Right. Um meanwhile, back of the uh Galactica uh, Captain uh, uh, Commander Adama basically assumes command of the entire fleet because mm-hmm. he's just well, getting messages he's that basically every serving other ship left is of the gone. fleet. Yeah. So he 
is a, sort of assessing the situation, and they decide to do this thing called FTL, which is faster than light. They're going to, like, warp jump. <laughs> Through hyperspace. And Another science fiction trope. Yes. To a place called Ragnar Anchorage, which is an armory station that is surrounded by a radiation cloud that affects Cylons, but not humans. Mm -hmm. So that's why they put the armory sort of in the middle of this radiation storm. And they're going to go there, and they'll have some shelter, and they'll be able to sort of... Well, also, they need weapons. They don't have... They don't have the ammunition to fight the uh, the Cylons, right. and so they have to be incredibly careful. They 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 need actual bullets, so to speak. Right, and then we also go to the Colonial Heavy Seven Ninety Eight, mm-hmm. which has now had departed the Galactica. I think prior to, or yeah, prior to the attacks, mm-hmm. and is getting word that the civilian government has been attacked. They're they're getting words that the, the planets are being attacked. Right. And then they end up um sending a number of messages back and forth that confirm that though she's forty third in line in for success succession to the president and she knows everyone up ahead of her, mm-hmm. she is Less surviving. The, the the top surviving person. Mm-hmm. And so she is sworn in. She's King Ralph. We should note there was an early scene with her, with her crying, because she has also just found out that she has cancer. Which even in this alien environment and their advanced technology still can't be taken care of, apparently. Well, it might be taken care of, but it might just be too far I mean, we don't mm-hmm. know. It seems extensive and it seems bad. Right. It, it's fatal. It seems like a terminal diagnosis, right? Right. So sh- they set about basically collecting refugees. Um, the captain changes their name from Colonial Heavy 798 to Colonial 1 because it's got the president aboard. So that's how that works. Like Air Force 1, like that. Uh, and... They have, she also has Lee Adama with mm-hmm. her. Um, he ends up coming aboard during the flight. Uh, she's questioned, and I don't remember who questions her. I want to say it's the um, Donar. Mm-hmm. No, Doral. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, you know, who are you? Because she's basically saying to the captain, we need to go here and get these refugees. We need to go here. And he's like, well, who the hell are you to be in charge? And she's like, well, this is a government plane or ship. And I am the highest person in the government. So that's on the ship at first. And then she's sworn in as president. So she's the highest person in civilian government total. Right. She's uh, the survivor. And then when Lee Adama comes on board, that dude goes to him and mm-hmm. is like, so this chick thinks she's in charge. Could you like do something about that? And Lee sees that she mm-hmm. knows what the fuck she's doing. She's calm. She's reasonable. She's doing the things that a civilian government should do. Right. And she, he's like, lady's in charge. I don't I don't know mm-hmm. what the fuck you want me to tell you. Like, which is kind of awesome. So there's he's going to be caught in between the two of right. her his father and 
His president. His father, who's a military leader, <laughs> yes. and the president, who is a civilian and has not seen active combat with the Cylons. Right. And so. we're seeing, which to be fair, mm-hmm. it's been a long time since Adama has seen active right. combat well, with the Cylons. Which too. is true, but the thing is that what the sense that we get is that he's actually aware of the Cylons situation. He's never been, earlier in the film, he's given a speech. Um, it's at the decommissioning, I think. Right, where he is warning everyone to still be vigilant. Right. And we haven't seen them in 40 years. Right. That's only given them... Well, it's, it's like, like, you know... Not only is They haven't for them, gone away. They're there yeah. somewhere. They're yeah. not extinct. So as long as they exist... don't know what they've been doing, right. that's only beneficial to them. Yeah. And hurtful to us. Um, so we start getting this tug, this push and pull of uh, the civilian versus the military. Mm-hmm. So she is basically like, the war, it's already over. Right. There are 50,000 people left. We lost. We need to fucking run because they wiped us out before we even knew what the fuck was happening. And Adama's like, we got a war to fight. And she's just like, what about the fact that we are fucked? It goes into that kind of fighter's mentality, though. It's like you don't know when it's over. You're going to keep punching until you're out. Which is one of the reasons that the commander-in-chief is typically a civilian. Right, um, but that's also the reason why he's worried because he's just going. None of you are taking this threat seriously. Yeah. So, so I can, there's this little push and pull. Right. And in the middle of this first push and pull, of she's saying, "How are you going to help us with our refugees?" And he's saying, "Fuck you and all your refugees. We're going to go get more weapons and then fight this war." Mm-hmm. The. Uh, the passenger ship is attacked. They see, they can see the Cylons coming at them. Adama can see the Cylons going at them. They're mm-hmm. like in range, so he can see that they're being beset upon. He's talking to his son and saying, "You guys got to get the fuck out of there. Like, whatever you need to do, mm-hmm. run, right. because they're coming right the fuck now." And Lee goes downstairs and does a trick. He plays a trick on the Cylons, making what looks like an explosion, which would hopefully make the Cylons think that they were gone right. and would go away. It looks on Adama, on Captain Adama's, um, William Adama's uh, screen, like Commander. everything just got wiped away. Mm-hmm. So he thinks they're dead. And so does everyone. And that, so that does everyone else. Quickly. And it works on the Cylons. He says later that... Uh, not a lot of people know this trick. Mm-hmm. It's something that they would sort of kick around at the war college. But when they were doing war games, the Cylons always saw through it, and it never worked. But he was like, well... We have nothing to lose. We have nothing to lose. And we uh-huh. haven't dealt with these beings in 40 years. Who knows what, what they would know or not know or fall for, yeah. because... They were being piloted, you know, in war games, the, your, your opponents are still being piloted by you. Right. So it's people. <laughs> so um, turns out it worked. So we're probably going to see something like that again, if I had to guess. 
Um, and then doobie doobie doo doo And then they start sort of gathering ships together. They're sending people out to go find ships and bring them in so that they have like a like a little fleet of civilian ships mm. around the what is it? Colonial one. <laughs> And um, she's promising that they're going to do energy surveys and they're looking for fuel ships and they do find one and they're looking, but only about half of their ships have the faster than light capability. Uh, And then that's basically where it ends. She's gathering them together. That's where the end of part one of the miniseries ends. Um, Like I said, we're going to, we're going to cut this into two episodes. Uh, it's unclear when you're watching the three hours that Amazon Prime gives you where the break, the break is. is. Yeah. <laughs> it's not clear. And it seems to be at such a dramatic It's at uh, about 1.40. That it seems, yeah, it seems ridiculous to stop it there if you have the ability to watch the entire thing. That's the thing. Of course mm-hmm. they end it. It's a two-night thing. They end it on a yeah, cliffhanger. cliffhanger. Yeah. So, yeah, you're going to... And there's... They keep the action scenes pretty regular Mm -hmm. so that's the other reason it's unclear it's not like nothing happens one huge set piece oh that must have been it well there's it's full of high drama moments Mm -hmm. there doesn't seem to be that this is uh like the original film you're watching it in the middle of a crisis and that respect i think the new star wars film what was it called the last one, The Force yes, Awakens. The Force Awakens borrowed a lot from it, and that it's taking the place in the middle of a crisis moment. The Last Jedi. The Last. Uh, Sorry, everyone. I can't everyone. tell apart. The most recent one was mm. The Last Jedi, where right. Luke Skywalker blinks out of existence. Maybe. Well, he does. I don't, I don't know, know if he's it, ever that coming was a, back. It was a weird movie for me and kind of disappointing in some ways, but it felt a lot like this. You're on the run, you're being shot at, and so many the of you are gonna going to survive, out. and so many of you aren't. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to remember. Is it in the first part where the Galactica gets attacked? I believe it's the second. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Well, the first part is attacked, and this is the reason why... Um, there's Because there's a point where... It is attacked, uh-huh. uh, and and basically where the hangars are is nuked. A nuke gets mm-hmm. through. Um, Starbuck is out, and the three nukes are fired at the ship, and she knocks out two of them, but misses the last one. Right. And it doesn't, like, the radiation is not an issue. They're, whatever they have to, to keep Neutralize that from it seems to work. happening. But it's a it's a big bomb mm-hmm. and they end up losing 85 members of their crew. Basically their mechanics. Though. But like what, specifically um, it's the mechanics because it's right along. Yeah. But it's also the, to contain the explosion. Yes. Um, so the explosions are going off. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of damage and the EXO, which I don't know what EXO stands for. Um, basically the co-captain, yeah. right? Who we've seen drinking because he was, you know, starting the party outright. Also, he's an alcoholic. Uh, makes the decision to 
basically seal off the hangar area. I'm not which sure that's the chief wants uh, to contain 40 damage seconds. or contain contamination. I'm it's not to contain sure. damage. Okay. Because the fires are going to spread, mm-hmm. and if they hit like the inner area, right. that's going to do it. So the chief um, mechanic, Boomer's boyfriend, uh, says, "I there are eighty five of my men in there, or my people in there. Let me." Give me 40 seconds to get more people out. Mm-hmm. And he won't do it. Um, so they lose 85 members of the crew that way. He goes and complains directly to Adama, who says he made a tough call. It's the same call I would have made. Right. We don't know if that's true, but he's standing behind his... He's trying to keep what's left of the military together. Yeah. So uh, they lose a big chunk of people. And... Uh, the chief is like visibly upset at the people in charge, which I think is going to come back. You can right? see where they're setting up for the conflicts that will be happening yeah. in the course of the, the program. Um, at the same, there was an, an another scene also earlier, conflict-wise, where that same XO mm-hmm. uh, basically got in a fight with Starbuck. They were playing poker. Mm-hmm. Or something. It seemed, yeah, it was a poker-like game. <laughs> it was probably just poker. And she's goading him. He's goading her. He stands up and flips the table, and then she decks him. And I'm like, you know what? If you flip a table and are coming at me, yeah, I'm going to maybe swing. <laughs> because I feel like you're a big man, and I'm a, you know... She's a tough woman, but she's smaller than he is, for sure. And if I don't hit you now, <laughs> I might have lost my chance. This is Yeah, this is my chance. I'm going to do this right now. And then he, you know, she gets in trouble for striking the second in charge. The right? superior officer. So she yeah. goes, she ends up going to her, you know. The brig. They, they put her in the brig, right. And then they end up letting her out when they need her flight skills, because we're under attack, y'all. Uh, but then later, uh, the EXO goes to Adama and is like, "Start you! You're too lenient with her." And he goes, "You did flip the table." And he goes, "I did." Yeah, he's yeah, too drunk to remember. I think I did, or I might have. Mm-hmm. And it was like, okay, if you can't remember your own actions, you are probably at fault in this. Uh, and then at the end of this whole uh, thing, they end up having a conversation um, where. He kind of apologizes, but not really. So that's going to be one of the relationships that's uh, fraught. We'll say fraught. So we're going to call it good on that episode. Um, I would say go ahead and watch all of it together. But if you've watched the first half, this this gets you about there. And... Uh, do you have anything you want to recommend this week? Yes, I just finished watching um, the Sci-Fi Channel miniseries uh, based on George R. R. Martin's book *Night Flyers*, um, and I really enjoyed it. It's, I, it's, it's, it's very intense, y'all. Right. It's a piece of. <laughs> apparently, it was written in a um, in response to a criticism that that, that uh, Martin heard at the time. It said that science fiction and horror are 
You can't. They're mutually exclusive. Right, basically. which is ridiculous. The statement was obviously made before um, Alien. Event Horizon. Oh, and Alien. Which I would think was like the first, in terms of film, gothic horror set in outer space. And then we had Event Horizon, which is a terrifying movie. Um, never freeze frame it. Just don't. Don't. It's bad. Um, but uh, I remember seeing it a long time ago as a film in the 80s. Yes, there was a... With Catherine Mary Stewart, like who was a like... a four-hour movie or something. It was a mini-series, right. but not... This is a 10-hour... I seem to remember it as a theatrical film, but thing. I might be wrong. Um, and it was very sort of... Uh, yeah, there was uh, Catherine Mary Stewart, and I think a guy named... an English actor who was playing Robin Hood on um, English television at the time. And it, it followed the same kind of plot... Uh, I will say something that's interesting about changing times, which is the only African-American character on that ship was the cook. There was a 1987 film. That's the, probably what I'm remembering. Okay. And it was uh, the only African-American character was the cook, and it was played by the recently passed, um, his name escapes me, who was the dad on Fresh Prince of uh, Bel-Air. Oh, um, James Avery. Yeah. And so now this is a much more integrated cast. Uh, it, the, the the film has any number of characters. There's a lot of nods to films like 2001. Yes. Uh, but it, in itself, it's a very in, interesting mixture of horror and science fiction. I'm not a big fan of Martin's work as far as fantasy goes because, no. Meanwhile, I'm over here watching Game of Thrones again, getting ready for the final, final season. Right. But it's a fantasy, outright fantasy has never been much of a thing for me. I, yeah, you don't need swords and dragons. That's no, not your it's jam. Not necessarily, no. But, um, but this film was, this miniseries rather, had some very compelling characters. They made some very strange choices. There are times when they really disappoint you, there's times when they. And that's what I like about uh, a series like this. It was interesting because you, even as the viewer, mm-hmm. having watched the whole thing, I am not a hundred percent sure what was real and what was fake, or right. what was real and what was. Well, you don't want to give too much of that away because in, it in will um, like being brought about by their situation, mm-hmm. uh, which I think was really interesting. Yeah, no, I don't want to say any more than that. But it's there's a unreliable narrator quality to it where you're just like, who is this real? Is this being well, introduced? Is this? Space madness is this There's psychic a, madness. Part of this. it is that there is one of the sets of characters is a race of beings that are telepathic and telekinetic. Well, yeah. And they're brought along to communicate with a new species of beings that have been discovered out there. But what I enjoy about this, having grown up in science fiction in the 70s, in particular, a new species of being back then was a guy in a silver suit with different colored hair. Yeah, no, this is just a dude. This is... No, or no, but, a lady. <laughs> but with this series, it hits on the same thing that 2001 did really well, where the alien is so alien, you have no idea what you're dealing with. Oh, yeah, you never... It's not and you rem- also never right. see anything that is presented as, this is the alien right. being. And it has that same sort of feeling of dealing with something that's so remotely other that you can't yeah. it becomes frightening just because i have no idea how to respond to this but i really enjoyed it again it's not for the squeamish it's very intense it's there, there very scenes, intense the op- there's a great way of doing it the opening scene is so violent that if you can if that's okay with you then keep on watching it 
Yeah, no, that's right. But it's punctuated with moments of very extreme, at times realistic violence, uh, given the subject matter. Um, and so it's worthwhile. Just as Gretchen Maul is great, I, yes. the actress who plays the astronaut, I forget her name. There's a lot of really good performances in it, too. There are, yeah, it's very good. It's, um, it's very, it's interesting. There, Jodie Turner-Smith. Yeah. The name of her, of her name, and she's going to be in something else soon coming up. Maybe with Travante Rhodes. Hmm. They're going to be so beautiful together. <laughs> Um, yeah, I think that's going to be what I recommend, too. Don't watch this and Battlestar at the same time. It's confusing. And then you're like, wait, who's where? Yes, because sometimes what will happen is you'll just be dark, stuck in dark spaceships. That That's kind of what, where you're going to be for a while. Yeah. Yeah, there was a lot of space in my last few weeks, and I'm like... I was getting confused. I had to rewatch the Battlestar miniseries because I was like... Was any of what I'm remembering from this, or was it all from Night Flyers? Because we watched it after. Bad planning on our part. Totally my fault. So, uh, okay, I think that's going to do it for Mm -hmm. this episode. We thank you for listening. Uh, If you have any questions, concerns, or comments, you can uh, find us on Twitter at LatecomersPod or uh, on Gmail at LatecomersPod at gmail.com. You can email us. Uh, We have a Facebook group. Uh, You can also find me at AmityArmstrong.com. You can find Lemuel's book, Sealing Night, on Amazon. He's got another one coming. It's coming, we swear. Uh, We will be releasing, hopefully, knock on wood, a new podcast this month or next month at the the latest. Mm -hmm. Damn it. Uh, so, So says I. So says we all. So says we all. And uh, so we'll keep you updated with that. Uh, But in the meantime, we appreciate you very much. We love you. Finish watching the miniseries and meet us back here next week to talk about it. And remember, better Better late late than than never. never.